Like a supply teacher who's gone rogue after losing his temper with unruly kids, Manchester United's Ralph Rangnick has been dropping truth bombs at Old Trafford, declaring that as many as 10 players might be replaced in the summer and that the club has no coherent strategy. After Tuesday's gutless, feeble display at Anfield, it's hard to disagree. Can Mr Rangnick turn the class around before the end of term examinations or has the final bell already rung on their top four hopes? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Deputy Headmaster is betting expert Mark O'Hare. Mark, United face Arsenal on Saturday lunchtime. The Gunners on a high after a chaotic but welcome win at Chelsea in midweek. United have lost their last three away games in the Premier League for the first time in three years, a run like that. They lost 4-0 at Anfield on Tuesday and half the players looked entirely disinterested. Yeah, it was, wasn't was pretty, was it? Um, I mean, for neutrals, we kind of tuned in hoping and expecting to see a bit more of a, a competitive performance from United in one of the sort of marquee matches of the season. But it was men against Moyes from the first whistle, really. And um, yeah, Liverpool shredded them, as, as we probably anticipated they might do if they were able to play anywhere close to top gear and United were operating at similar levels to what we've seen recently. So um, with answer to, sort of, to one of your questions there, I still think they can finish in the top four um, just because the league table, um, they're only three points off the top four and Spurs still have to play Arsenal. So, you know, if that game ends in a draw and they win their games in hand, suddenly they're, they're back in with a shout. But it's very difficult to to be positive about United apart from that because the performances so far have, are completely underwhelmed and that's probably being a bit kind. But yeah, this is a really interesting game on, on Saturday. Um, Arsenal... Yeah, I, I saw the team sheet against Chelsea and just assumed that they were, they were kind of trying to keep their powder dry for this match, which they felt was the, the more important. But uh, yeah, they were quite fortuitous with a couple of those goals, but they, they won the XG count, they won the shot count at Stamford Bridge too. So, you know, realistic claims to have taken top, top honours there as well. So the thing with Arsenal at the minute, though, I just can't really trust them with the injuries to, to Tierney and Partey. Um, I know the team performed well midweek, but... Uh, Arteta's been choosing such a, a kind of consistent team all through the winter during that good run. And just to take Partey out, for example, just look at the stats when he's playing and when he's not playing. Win rate goes down, right down. The loss rate goes up. The goals scored goes down. The goals against goes up. Uh, and Tierney as well, just not having him. They've tried to, to fit Xhaka in there at left back and it's not worked. Tavares looks a little bit out of his depth. Uh, and in midfield as well, they just lose so much balance too. So, you know, if I could, I'd back neither team in this match. But uh, I think it could be quite interesting, quite exciting. Should be goals. Uh, you know, the way in which both teams have defended in recent weeks suggests that. So, um, yeah, I mean, both teams should in theory be looking at uh, trying to take three points from this match to sort of strengthen their own claims. But, um, you know, I've got no real urge to get behind either team at the minute. Our professor of sustainable edge studies is odds compiler and betting boffin Mark Stinchcomb Stinch. Until Wednesday, Arsenal's record against the top three had been utterly feeble, but they are facing demoralised opposition here. How do you see this one playing out? Um, well, they did beat Chelsea back in the last season 1-0 at Stamford Bridge and they gave City quite a good game in uh, January. I'm not going to immediately say they're improving because I don't... 
I'm the same as Mark. I don't. I don't really rate either team. Um, I wouldn't be back in Arsenal evens because of the injury issues, and obviously you wouldn't want to go anywhere near Man United. Um, I feel though with United, they're the sort of team that obviously you don't want to back, but of course you do need to be aware that they do have world-class players, so it could be da- it can be dangerous to oppose them when they're when they're chalked up as an outsider, essentially. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to back either team here. I was just having a look at the top four race and just kind of wanted to throw in a bit of a bit of a curveball, maybe. Um, Chelsea are only five points clear of both Tottenham and Arsenal. Might be something to suggest that they could be troubled for that final fourth place. Um, thrown in a couple of bizarre performances, really. Uh, recently, especially at home, um, you think uh, a game against uh, Brentford as well as the one against Arsenal. Um, against Arsenal, they didn't have all their fans, and I'm not sure why that started now. I thought that would have kicked in a bit earlier, but anyway, that could obviously have an impact with um, you know losing uh, losing some of the home support. Uh, anyway, they're 1.05 to lay on the exchange, so in uh, in old money you. Basically, if you back them not to finish in the top four, that's a 20 to one shot and feels maybe in a season of, uh, yeah, a few sort of bizarre twists and turns. It's not often that we still have a um, a title race, a top four race, a relegation race all still sort of going on. So what I'm kind of getting out there is a lot of teams still have something to play for. Um, and even teams like Brighton are actually putting in a performances despite the fact you know they are just sort of in mid-table mediocrity. And if you were to say to someone, uh, Chelsea have failed to win, so have drawn or lost nearly 50% of their matches this season in the Premier League, you, you might be a little bit shocked by that statistic. So yeah, maybe there's some uh, some length in that. But yeah, I, I don't really, as, as I say, long term, I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of what Arsenal or Man United are, uh, are doing. I think they're a long way from being, um, you know, back in that sort of top echelons of, of the top three. The cheeky maverick at the back of the class is Betfair trader Emmett O'Keefe. Emmett, United three points behind Tottenham and Arsenal having played a game more as Mark illustrated. Would a defeat spent, spell the end of their Champions League push, do you think? Probably so. Like, um, they're like the kind of they're like the Harvard they're like the Harvard and they just won't go away just won't <laughs> die really like to despite despite their best efforts and yet yeah, as, a, as a fan this is probably this is the worst season of the post uh, Ferguson years as a fan to watch them like a team that's totally disinterested and not united and also because with, with, with the talent at their disposal expectations were at least that you'd have a kind of a, a top four push and maybe a run of the Champions League but we haven't even had that but going on to this game specifically I would be tempted to back Arsenal here for the just based on if you look at the expected goal difference both these teams now Arsenal are like neck and neck with top and about 12.3 whereas my night are down with Brighton Crystal Palace at like a goal difference and embarrassing like plus one or something like that so I think I think Arsenal I think are clearly a better team than United and even without Partey Tommy Asu and Tierney like Arsenal were really unlucky in both the Brighton um, Brighton and Stanton games they, they, they clearly won the XG so, and like again the other night against Chelsea wasn't a perfect performance by any means but they should probably have Lacassette and Martinelli back the team I just I can't see United keeping out Martinelli, Odegaard, like I said, I, I just I think Arsenal will score will score a minimum of a couple of goals, and then are you really relying on are really are United to kind of match that? I, 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 I just I just don't see it at all, and obviously 
obviously we don't know whether Cristiano Ronaldo will play given the terrible tragedy that happened during the week. I think um, McTominay, Fred likes the absentees, Varane likes the absentee. Will we see Phil Jones again? Like, I think there's so many questions around United. But all in all, I think I think Arsenal are a reasonable bet uh, close to you of money. Worth bearing in mind that our fantastic Ackers offer is running every day. Bet £20 on Ackers or Bet Builders. Receive a £2 free bet to use on Ackers or Bet Builders. T's and C's apply. As usual, nice mix of Premier League and non-Premier League action this weekend. Stinch, let's make your customary trip to the EFL. You want to look at the championship. Yeah, big clash at the top of the top of the league. Uh, Bournemouth v Fulham. Um, second v first in the division. Um, Fulham effectively can uh, wrap up. They've got promotion already, but they can wrap up the uh, league title with uh, with victory at Bournemouth. Whereas uh, Bournemouth are four points above Huddersfield, who are sat in third. So effectively looking to try and get a win to seal seal automatic promotion. And Bournemouth chalked up as 23 to 20 favourites. Uh, I think it's maybe a difficult one to, to kind of prize because maybe Fulham have been, you know, partying after being promoted. Um, and so maybe motivation is uh, it's not as high as it should be. But again, it's I think that's dangerous to kind of accept that uh, or maybe guess in advance that that's going to be the case. So yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be back anything in the match odds. I just thought with both teams to score chalked up at 8 to 13, and this is obviously second v first, so this is arguably the best two teams in the divisions. Why not have a look at backing both teams' strikers to score, given they are also the top goal scorers in the league? And in my mind, having fantastic seasons. I mean, Dominic Solanke's got 26 goals in 41 games. And I think we're all aware of Mitrovic has got an incredible 40 goals in 40 games, which is just unreal, really. Um, you, you would expect him to... Now he's kind of in his groove. Maybe he's a bit more um, experienced. He's matured a little bit. You would expect him to translate that into the Premier League next season. I think it's quite fascinating, really, because I think the Premier League, the bottom, the bottom section is getting stronger and stronger every season. So you kind of look and think, obviously Fulham been doing this yo-yo thing. Who are they actually... Are they going to be able to find three teams that are worse than them? I think you maybe have to accept they'll need to be better than the two that come up from the championship. Then they'll have to find another one in the Premier League. It's difficult maybe to think who that might be, but I think that's probably a discussion for for another day. Um, but in this in this match, um, there's no surprise that Solanke and Mitrovic are, are both top two in the in the player stats for shots per game. So Solanke's averaging 3.5 per game, Mitrovic a huge 4.6. Said to before, whenever I'm back in the player to score, always very happy if they're having at least three a game. Um, so even better for me that uh, both of them inside the penalty area in terms of their location are at 2.6 and 3.2. So not a lot of pot shots, taking a lot better quality chances than perhaps the average player. And it's important that both are on penalties as well. Um, Solanke scored in the reverse fixture and Mitrovic has scored uh, against Bournemouth a few, a few years ago when they actually met in the Premier League. You can back both to score just under 6-1. to one. And I thought given both teams to score was 8-13, to 6-1 to one was, uh, was juicy enough to get involved with. Sounds good to me. It is the Christian Eriksen derby as Brentford take on London rivals Tottenham. The Bees are buzzing after a superb run of form that's taken them out of trouble. So, Mark, this is a genuine test for Antonio Conte's side. 
Yeah, they'll need to react after last week. They failed to fire against Brighton and, and Conte was understandably quite frustrated and disappointed with the performance. Um, I wouldn't expect uh, the same sort of limp display here. Um, rarely do you get kind of two wobblies like that thrown in. Spurs form <clears throat> over the long term has been very, very strong. Um, they have been the best team outside of Liverpool and City since he was appointed. That's not just in terms of points, but also... XG process as well. Um, we talked about the the additions in January improving the team, um, but yeah, I expect them to <clears throat> the forward the forward players to to cause Brentford problems here. Brentford have only kept five Premier League clean sheets in thirty one um, since going back to August. That is, and effectively, you know, you could say they're on the beach, even if Thomas Frank is talking in a way where I don't expect them to be so because they're very keen to try and you know finish off what's been quite a remarkable campaign. He's talking about Brentford having the lowest budget in the league and potentially finishing the top half. They're only one point off it at the minute as well. So plenty for them to play for. Uh, they've won five or six, as you say, scored twice or more in all five wins. They've actually won all five games that Ericsson has started as well. So yeah, there's a lot um, a lot to like about Brentford at the minute. Uh, they're a threat from set pieces. They've got the ability to go along to Ivan Tony and as well as Ericsson's kind of craft now as well. So obviously man for man, Spurs are the better team, uh, have probably more to play for here. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not convinced Spurs are a, an attractive proposition, odds on quotes. So instead, I thought both teams to score around 1.8 was was really quite appealing, actually. Um, Spurs obviously scoring plenty of goals, the top Premier League goal scorers this calendar year. Uh, they've scored 28 in the last 11 Premier League games. Um, they scored three goals or more in six of those 11. But they've only actually managed to keep two clean sheets against teams outside of the bottom six. So, um, yeah, I think Brentford going quite well. As you say, they're buzzing, looking to finish the season strongly. And I think they've got play key players fit and available. And I think they can make their mark here. Spurs may well win, but... Um, I still think there's a few sort of issues to be ironed out, uh, particularly with now with Matt Doherty missing as well. It just requires a, a reshuffle defensively, and I think the players operating in those wing back positions are always a bit culpable to to teams like Brentford who play with pace, uh, tenacity, and physicality as well. So, yeah, I think uh, the both teams' the score angle was was quite appealing at one point eight. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair is now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over, under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. One of the biggest games in the continental football calendar takes place in Munich on Saturday. It's their Classica between Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. A win for Bayern would seal a 10th straight Bundesliga title. A win for Dortmund would keep their dream alive for another week or two. Emmett Bayern have won the club's last six meetings. They've already beaten them twice this season. Once in Dortmund in the Super Cup, once in Dortmund in the league. It's hard to see Dortmund getting anything out of this, isn't it? Absolutely. I just kind of... From, from watching the games recently as well, there seems to be I don't know, a little bit of a psychological hang-up. I feel like Dortmund have conceded the goal, the same goal a lot against Bayern, where they kind of they they kind of they, they try to play through the Bayern press, get turnover, and Bayern score. I've often watched the games where Dortmund have are having a good twenty-minute period, and they feel like they're on top of the game. And Bayern just score, and it's just like I that's I, just I Dortmund in general, though, isn't oh, it? Oh no, yeah, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. You, you you know more than I do, but I just feel like I'm kind of I'm always frustrated watching them because I feel like they kind of they waste their good periods in games with silly mistakes. Um, 
but and I, I, I just I think like both team in the last in the last five meetings between these teams, Bayern have won at both teams to score. Like both teams, to sc- Bayern win and both teams scores are even money here. It's a bet we've recommended many a time on the podcast the last few months. It just it it, it makes too much sense here, especially with their Erling, Erling Haaland come back to form again a couple of goals during the week. I think yeah, this is. Yeah, this to me this looks nailed on for kind of a maybe an exciting three one three two type of type uh, Bayern win where Dortmund maybe have the better of the game, have maybe have more shots, but but, 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 but Bayern, Bayern's quality and ruthlessness ultimately prove, prove too much. Yeah, Stinch, this isn't a vintage Bayern team. We know that. We saw that in the way that they went out to Villarreal. Julian Nagelsmann, I think in the early part of the season, was getting them playing some terrific stuff, but they lost key players at key times and they've taken a while to really get back to where they want to be. There's a lot of controversy about Robert Lewandowski's future, Serge Gnabry's future. But even so, this still does look like quite a fragile Dortmund team, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it'd be quite surprising that if they do win on Saturday that essentially that's their season over before the end of April and that's not been very common in the uh, in the last sort of, I don't know, maybe 10 years now. Normally you'd expect to see them in the, the Champions League semis or at least in the DFB Pokal uh, final or even the semis. So um, yeah, maybe a bit of underachievement this season based on, on expectations. Um to be fair, I'm expecting goals in an entertaining game here. Um, you only have to look at the last five score lines of 3-2, 3-1, 4-2, 3-2 and 3-2. And the fact that over three and a half goals is just 4-6 to six and don't see any reason why it won't be something similar. Um, so I'm having a look at Lewandowski and Holland both to score at 2-1. to one. I think that's very, very backable. Um, Lewandowski's got 32 goals in 30 games in the Bundesliga this season. This season, Haaland has got 18 in 20. Um, you look at the when they play each other, Lewandowski scored 13 times in his last seven meetings against his former side. And um, Haaland is looking to become the first player since Ulf Kirsten to score in four consecutive games against the title favourites. And to be fair, I'm going to kind of take it one step further and back both players to score two or more as well at 23 to 1. Because again, I just feel that's like too big not to turn down, to be honest. Um, mentioned the fact that Lewa's got 13 in his last seven. So, you know, nearly two, two on average. And Haaland's 58 goals in 63 Bundesliga games makes him the fastest ever player to reach that total. So it just goes to show how good he actually is. Um, and to be fair, when Haaland seems to score, it does it does seem to go on and get another one. He's done it nine times this season. And if you look back to last season, in the nine matches from February onwards uh, that he scored in, all of those were braces as well, including against Bayern. Um, so in those sort of five head-to-heads I mentioned since the pandemic, uh, this bet has landed in one of those games as well. So, yeah, um, just expecting goals and you know who better than arguably the two best number nines in the world it should be a cracking game whichever way it turns out Leicester City blew a late lead yet again in midweek as they drew one all with Everton they've dropped a lot of points from winning positions this season Mark they take on Aston Villa in a Midlands derby between East and West how's this one going to go um, yeah, I'm, I might be out on my own on this, but Leicester are outsiders at home to Aston Villa um, at the KP, which I can't really be buying into really. And I think first off, we need to sort of highlight the reasons why that might be. Uh, the main reason behind that is probably the 
Performance data indicators, expected goals over the course of the whole season, Villa are rated higher than Leicester uh, in terms of their XG process, which is understandable really considering the, the issues Leicester have had, particularly defensively. Uh, secondly, Leicester played on Wednesday night, have a busy schedule of course, Villa have had two weeks off so they'll be well rested. Um, Leicester played Wednesday, obviously have a European tie on, on Thursday against Roma which is very key. And Rogers has been basically fielding a midweek and a weekend team in recent weeks. Eight changes against Newcastle, seven against Everton in midweek again. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of concerns there, um, particularly if Evans and Fofana drop out. They played midweek, um, but I still don't think it's enough to make Aston Villa favourites to win away at Leicester. Um, because even if one of those players was fit, available and played, um, Leicester are going to be stronger defensively. Uh, Jamie Vardy's back in training on Thursday. There's talk that he might be involved as well. Um, and we've talked about it all throughout the campaign, that they've got so much quality in forward areas. They've arguably got one of the better attacking lineups outside of the, the sort of top three, top four in the division. So I fully expect them to cause Villa problems. And this is a Villa team who've lost their last four games. They've lost six of nine going further back, and they've won four times in 13 going back to Boxing Day. Um, and a Villa team that have lost 10 of 12 trips to teams in 13th and above. Uh, in fact, only Norwich and Everton have lost more away games this season than Aston Villa, uh, and Leicester's only four home defeats came against top five opposition as well. They've actually won eight, drawn three, and lost zero at the KP this season when you take out the top five. So, you know, considering the state that Leicester have been in throughout the whole campaign, they've been pretty consistent and pretty decent at home. So, even if they do rest and rotate, I still make them slight favourites to beat Aston Villa at the weekend. So, yeah, it's just a case of getting Leicester on side in a match where I think the, the odds are the wrong way around, really. So uh, fully aware that they'll probably have their eyes firmly fixed on the Roma game on Thursday, but this game is on Saturday. Um, so potentially there's a, an opportunity there to, to not be so sort of vigorous with his rotation. But um, yeah, Leicester plus a quarter goal is 1.75 on the Asian handicap on the exchange, which means we make money if they avoid defeat. So um, as I say, Villa have got a, a pretty woeful away record. They might be well rested, but... Um, yeah, recent performances suggest that they might be on the beach, even if Gerard suggests that they're not. To the National League then, and Stinch, you've got a pick for us. Yeah, this might sound a bit mad, but this is like, I'm quite excited about this match. Um, no, it's not mad. <laughs> not at all. I would <laughs> expect uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> From a betting perspective, anyway. Um, it's, uh, it's Chesterfield against uh, Dover, which again might sound a bit strange to be looking at this particular match. So it's fifth against uh, bottom side Dover, who have just got two wins, six draws and 30 losses this season. And maybe bizarrely find themselves on zero points, but that's following a 12-point deduction, having failed to fill their fixtures last season. Arguably a little bit unfair because they couldn't really afford to fulfill them without the... Uh, Incoming um, with no fans, basically, so they couldn't afford yeah. it really without it. They're only a part-time club, massively punching above their weight, really, in, in the league. So, yeah, a little bit unfair, but you've seen how maybe poor the EF EFL handles some of these cases. Um, however, Chesterfield are 1-9, to nine, so, you know, fully expecting a, a Chesterfield win. Uh, Dover a massive 18-1. to one. Um, but the thing, thing I feel like with Dover recently, they've been they've been really competitive, and I feel like Chesterfield have have struggled quite a lot since the loss of a 24 goal top goal scorer Kabongo 
Tishimanga. Uh, he suffered a season ending injury although he's had his protective boot off now but wouldn't maybe maybe might make the bench if they finish in the playoff positions but I wouldn't be anywhere near any match sort of match fit, fit, uh, fitness I wouldn't imagine um, and Dover recently picked up a win just their second win of the season at top half Boreham Wood just two games ago and have scored 12 in the last 11 including that mad five at second place Wrexham so if they can do it at Wrexham Maybe they can do it at Chesterfield, don't know. Um, but Chesterfield have only won two of their last eight. And I think that kind of brings me nicely on to looking at teams that are under pressure at this time of the season against teams that are apparently on, on the beach. Kind of used this analogy a few times recently. And the thing I feel like is motivation is a very difficult figure to factor. And essentially, I feel with the odds, basically, you know, you as as you would usually do you open up your prices one week before two weeks before whatever it is and then you just let the money dictate where you want to be sometimes and i think quite often these teams that need something against teams that don't just essentially get over bet and just get too short which means there's opportunities on the other side and also i think sometimes that added pressure works against these teams you know they know they need something and maybe they play a little bit within themselves or if they're if they have a, a nervous crowd behind them it gets to them um, but there's just been some really good examples recently um, so Sheffield United lost at home to Reading who are five to one uh, Wigan lost at home to Cambridge on on Sky on last Saturday evening Cambridge were nine to one Blackburn lost at Peterborough Peterborough four to one uh, Middlesbrough losing at home to Hull, Hull are 11-2. You look at Rotherham in League One, who are absolutely cruising the league and going off at very short prices, going off around 1-2 to two on average against bottom half. They've now lost four of their last five and automatics looks to be a, a real in trouble now from what was kind of a question when they were going to win the league um, before. Top of the table, Forest Green in League 2. They lost 4-0 away at 4th bottom Barrow. Um, and these are just defeats. I think that there's plenty of other examples of, of teams failing to win and, and only managing a draw. So the bet I'm looking at here, and I don't think it's a big ask, is Dover to score at 9-5. to Just one Dover goal. So essentially no Chesterfield clean sheet. Um, they scored away to Wrexham, Halifax, Dagenham, Torquay this season. All sides vying for promotion. And Chesterfield, I feel, always give you a chance at home. They've only got the 12th best defence. So don't think I'm really asking for, for a lot. You know, often we're back in, like, I don't know, over two and a half goals. So we need three goals or uh, maybe a team to score two or more goals. So we need to just need one goal from Dover. Don't really not really bothered what Chesterfield do themselves. So I'm going to take it one step further as well and back Dover to score over 1.5 goals at 9-1 to because, you know, um, odds correlate. So if you think one price is value, arguably other markets are also value as well. So I think that's worth a worth a bet. Um, but in saying that, Chesterfield obviously 1-9. to um, So what you could also do if you fancied Chesterfield to win would be wary that as I say, they're struggling for goals. Um, Danny Rowe, he's also injured as well. He's their third top goal scorer. Um, so, yeah, with with him and Shimanga out, goals maybe aren't going to be as fruitful. But obviously, you are playing a Dover side that have conceded a lot of goals and quite youth, uh, quite youthful. Um, but, yeah, you could enhance that Chesterfield 1-9, to nine, which I think is, is, a, is a big enhancement by backing them to win and both teams to score. That's 3-1. to one. I think that's, again, I think that's really, really juicy. Um, just... Just depends uh, whether you do think that Chesterfield have got the firepower to score, but yeah, really like uh, really like what uh, Andy Hessenthaler is uh, saying, 
at Dover. You know, he set them a, a sort of a points uh, tally for them to aim for in the remaining six games. So it's not again they're not on the beach. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for for what he's he's managed to do with them, making them competitive, given all the the points deduction basically relegated them before the season began essentially so instead of a tasty dover soul stinch just needs a tasty dover goal inter still in the mix to win i'm so sorry about that by the way inter <laughs> still in the mix to win Serie A. they reach the Coppa italia final with a win over their city rivals milan in midweek they face the role boss jose Mourinho this weekend as roma visits san siro emmett this is a cracker in the making isn't it potentially yeah, I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm following kind of Kanye West or Beyonce there after uh, Mark's detailed breakdown of that Dover game. That was that was really excellent. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, I didn't expect Stinch to get compared to Beyonce, but there we go. All yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, anyway, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll continue on anyway. The, <laughs> the but, but basically the thinking here is quietly. Rome are actually a far, have become a far better team than I thought they would under Jose Mourinho or in Christmas time. Like the, a lot of the reporting was Mourinho was pledged pl- pl- on the way out despite signing a kind of a, 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 a long lucrative contract with the club. But he's actually turned things around quite well. Rome actually haven't lost a game since the 9th of January. There's a few draws in there, but they've actually been playing fairly well. Unexpected goal difference since the 9th of January. Rome and Inter's figures are actually very similar. Again, you could say there's maybe Rome for a slightly easier schedule. But I, I, I think this. I, I think I think Roma are certainly much improved. We saw um, their young, extremely extremely talented attacking midfielder and um, Nicolo Zaniolo getting a hat trick against Bobodo Glimt in the, in the in the Conference League recently, and, and having him kind of back in form is is will be a significant boost for them. And I just think the markets again going back to what Mark said about the kind of the the kind of motivation angle. I I, I think I don't know whether. I don't know whether it's motivation or just the, or Roma being slightly underrated by the, mar- the market, but currently Roma five point nine shot for the match, and based on the stats and uh, based on the stats, I think that 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 just looks too big. I think as well Inter as well Inter did, did play well during the week, but Roma still have a rest advantage. So in, in uh, Inter hammered AC Milan in, in the Coppa Italia during the week, but still like Ro- Ro- Roma had a free week, and I think all, all in all, I'd I'd be happy to play Roma here double chance at at, at around. Uh, at around 2.5. I think, I think given the stats, rest advantage, and obviously Mourinho, I think, would be incredibly motivated to, 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 to go back and could cause an upset at his, at his uh, at, at, at the, club, at the club he's, where he's most adored. So, all in all, we're too big here. It's really interesting, Emmett, that one, because I guess Mourinho was being his usual tedious self earlier in the season, like causing controversy, digging out his players in public, all of that nonsense. When he actually focuses on the coaching, he's still a top coach. They've got a lot of late goals as well. Do you think the price is partially down to the fact that if you look over the last few years, Roma have tended in the big games to fall really short? Possibly, yeah. I, I think that's that could be a factor. They haven't they haven't been great in the big games this season. Um, I guess, I, I, yeah. To be honest, this is like we'll kind of. I feel like we'll find out the weekend kind of how really how good they are and whether as yeah. well Mourinho will actually maybe try and take the game to Inter. I think I think that's I think I think I think I think Rome are quite a good attacking unit. And if if Mourinho doesn't go fully conservative, I, I expect Rome to be extremely competitive in this game. 
Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so popular that there was a major row before the World Cup in South Africa. Colombian superstar Shakira ended up wowing the world with the official theme song Waka Waka, but originally she called it Aka Aka due to her love of a National League treble. The then FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, who notoriously dislikes anything to do with money, ended up talking her out of it. Just for the lawyers, that didn't happen. That definitely didn't happen. And I didn't expect to mention Shakira and Beyonce in the same show. Now, how this works is that each of the guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action. Our lovely traders, like Emmett, wrap it up in a boosted treble. Stinch, I'm going to go with you first. Yeah, I didn't really like a lot of things in the Premier League this weekend, so just going to stick with my Leicester overs when they play Villa over 2.5 goals, chalked up as 5-6, to six, so essentially uh, it's it's chalked up as a 50-50. Um, 31 of Leicester's last 46 gone over 2.5, so strike rate of 67%. Um, just seven clean sheets in those 46 games, which is horrendous, really. Um, Villa struggling, really, at the moment. Four straight defeats, just six clean sheets in 20 under Gerrard, and they've conceded multiple times on eight occasions. I think De- Dean Smith may, may, may be waiting to point out the fact that Gerard's actually lost more games than he's won since he's arrived at Villa. So maybe he can feel a bit harshly treated. We're going to go with Emmett next. Yeah, for uh, just just get the strongest feeling for, for this weekend's Premier League just yet, Arsenal to win. Um, for, for 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 all the reasons given earlier, I think they've. I think that the, the stats suggest they're a far better team than Man United. I just, I can't, I can't see uh, Man United's incredibly porous defense keeping them at bay. So Arsenal to win at even is good for me. And we'll wrap it up with Marco Hare. Uh, I'll go both teams to score in Brentford versus Tottenham, as mentioned earlier. Exciting stuff. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of great football, racing and golf content on betting.betfair.com. Lots of other sports as well. We've also got plenty of other podcasts to listen to, including Racing Only Better and, of course, the Wade In podcast. From Emmett, from Mark, from Stinch and from me. It's goodbye for now.